0: to Napalm and & Friends, and this week I am joined with the incredible multi-talented Michael Surwich. And thank you so much for giving me a bit of your time. Like, I know you've been super busy with so many projects, so it really means the world to me. So besides your love for the circus and magic, you have this amazing background in puppeteering. You've created and brought to life a Nick Cave and a Xander Schloss puppet. And with Xander Schloss, there was like three versions of him, I believe. There were five Sanders. Five, six, five. Yes. okay, oh wow. You've also you also have your roots at the Bob's Baker Marionette Theater, and there's just like so much more to your impressive list of creations. But before we get into that, you know, how did you come across puppets in the first place?
1: Well, first, thanks for having me here. I really love the show and uh, music that you play when you're curating it. It's really up my alley, and I hear a lot of things that within those genres that I didn't even know about, which is great. So I wind up, you know, a lot of that stuff is wound up on my playlist. So it's uh, as well as, you know, you got some really awesome guests here. So I'm, I'm honored to be in that, uh, in your menagerie of guests.
0: And yeah, no, so. honestly,
1: it's an honor. So thank you.
0: But yeah, like, I, I mean, like considering, we were just talking before and you like kind of showed me how you're uh, messing with a puppet, which was amazing. and You kind of like jump into this character, but, I mean, I'm assuming that that was a whole process of learning how to do that, like manipulating the puppet. But
1: what was your first experience with them? It all started. It all started at a uh, 5,000 watt radio station in Fresno, California. A $135 paycheck and a crazy dream. I'm just kidding. That's that's <laughs> that's a Ted Knight line from uh, from Mary Tyler Moore Show. When anyone would ask him about himself, he'd do that. So I just, that's a shout out to Ted Knight. Um, I, I started uh, when I was a kid, I was very into, uh, you know, everyone is like playing, kids play with dolls, they play with action figures and things like that. And I was okay playing with other kids, but I there was a really special sacred ritual for me with like, the way I would organize sets. You know, I would make my own sets and I would like really get into the characters. And it was this uh, kind of this dive into myself, which this is probably what a lot of kids go through, but it's just this thing where you're kind of collaborating with yourself and you're finding things that you like and you know, give it, high-fiving yourself and then repeating those things and then coming up with other characters that you wouldn't have unless you had the objects in front of you. So that was kind of like, I feel like some of my happiest, happiest memories when I was a kid was creating things uh, pretty much by myself. You know, I got older and uh, <clears throat> it's the weirdest thing, I got older and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, kind of, I was into like the Muppet Show and things like that, and I was, you know, that that, that was in uh, syndication when I was a kid. I'm dating myself. Um, I grew up in, uh, right outside of New Orleans, about 15 miles, or 15 minutes, sorry, uh, west of New Orleans, and we spent a lot of time in New Orleans, and there's just like so much culture and music and energy there that was at a, such a formative age. It was awesome to go to Mardi Gras parades and see these incredible mythic you know, marching bands. Like there's this group, St. Augustine's, which is just this just force of music, you know, to make quite an impression. And then yeah. the, the, the World's Fair in New Orleans was going on there. And they had all sorts of amazing, immersive environments that are even like, you know, outdo anything I've seen since. So it was like a good time to to soak all of that in. And I I, I got a little involved in theater. When I was a kid, I was kind of dramatic. And so I got involved in theater and liked movies and sketch stuff. And I used to, uh, you know, we had a VHS recorder. So I would just record shows and sketches. And if I liked something, I would just watch it over and over and over again and kind of internalize it. Yeah. Um, so when I was a kid, uh, uh, my father got a job in Chicago, so we wound up moving there. And Chicago has just an incredible theater scene, especially then, it was like more affordable and there were a lot more incentives and um, the mayor's office was <laughs> more behind it. So you, you just saw this incredible variety and like buffet of, of uh, performance arts and theater and puppetry and things like that. And um, you know, it was more—it a very collaborative, supportive atmosphere. It was competitive, but people were also wanting other groups to internalize what they saw at their shows and going to their shows excitedly, seeing how they would up the bar from everything else. It was a good—it's a good, uh, good thing to 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 be around, and it it made me start acting more. Um, at the time, I was also, my folks had put me into this um, all-boys Catholic school, which was kind of a miserable environment for me. And I, I wound up uh, hanging out with, you know, these, these punk film geek guys. We had our own little crew. And uh, there was a, a, a student who was a couple grades higher than me, who I looked up to, who was very, you know, like the rebel of the school. And he wound up and creative, and he wound up going to this uh, art school uh, in Chicago. And Chicago Academy for the Arts. And so I kind of made him my white rabbit, where I'm like, that's where I'm going. And uh, I, I auditioned and got in there. One of my teachers had, you know, we had some conversations, and based on something about me, they recommended this show by a troupe called Red Moon Puppet Theater. And uh, I went to see that, and it just blew my brain out the back my head in the front of my face and went back to see that show about 14 times in this production of moby dick and um but they really it was just such great energy and uh like expanded on what you could do with a puppet and what a puppet was they had just all different scales of the characters like they had an ahab that was a hand puppet in this miniature piece of like a, a, a a ship that would Mm -hmm. perform sometimes. But then later in the show, there would be an Ahab that was like this person on three foot tall peg stilts that came out with an entire suit over them and an extension on their neck that had this huge mache head version of Ahab and these mache forearms, so it looked like this ginormous they have and uh, like lots of object theater. And you just, you had to be there. (laughs) But like anyone who was there, like a lot of people my age, it it was like a Johnny Appleseed for people becoming puppeteers in town and people gravitate to Red Moon. And I started working with them and meeting other people, uh, newer and older. You know, it's cool. You're, you're dealing with a cross-section of uh, growth cycles and experience. And they were also very into uh, circus skills and and things like that, variety arts. So I was doing, you know, I built my own stilts. I was working on these giant stilts. I'm doing fire blowing for their, their Halloween shows that they did, which were incredible. Um, sorry
0: no 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 as far as the fire blowing i in your instagram which i am going to be tagging your instagram to oh. the uh, bio to this episode because i think you just have fantastic work and you have like fantastic taste your yeah, like image is a that is a view
1: right like you're blowing fire or right yeah that there's there i think there's actually like Uh, a handful of posts back. There's uh, some clips of that, the Redmond Fire Spectacle I was talking about, like Fibre Show shows, they just had these like three level uh, trick bikes, towers that had, you know, these giant heads that were made out of uh, like this paper that was (laughs) Uh, wrapped around these uh, bamboo frames that we would blow fire onto so they'd do these giant flaming heads. They were very permissive with, you know, this was like in uh, this place, Logan Square, where where, you know, like it may be a little more uptight now, but back then they really did let us get away with a lot. But they'd have these, uh, you know, we were all painted up in these, Black onesies. You would paint bones onto somebody else. So it was a very felt felt like a very ritualistic experience, and uh, we would paint our faces up. There were, some people were like in this jelly eye group, jelly eye drum troupe, So they had these incredible percussive backgrounds and fire and energy. And it was. I still, uh, you know, you really don't you take those things for granted when they were happening. But that was such an incredible thing to do for a few years. But um,
0: it sounds magical.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of an extension of like some of the things that I experienced in New Orleans. You know, it's kind of gravitating towards those types of things in a way. But uh, uh, I, I wound up doing, you know, I, I would do playwriting as well. So it was like a combo of writing and performing. And then I would meet up with other puppeteers, a lot of them through Red Moon, and we would go off and do our own productions and, you know, with another person or with a group of people. And then there would be periodic smaller cabaret type fests where we would all you know, uh, show off what we were working on. Uh, I also started working at this video store in Chicago called Facets Multimedia, which at that point, I think, had the the second largest uh, number of titles in the world next to this place in Paris, and they had uh, reciprocity deals with all of the cinemas in town like the art house cinemas in town yeah so it was kind of like a film school where i went there and i met other weirdos and they're like if you like this film you should watch this film this film and this film and we could rent them all so I, I i really got into that and a lot like a lot of the things that i do on my own are kind of cherry pick weird elements of things that i've you know i came across during that time like i, I kind of wind up trying to do when I'm doing things on my own, like I work with other people a lot, but I try to do kind of these uh, surreal, almost live music videos with marionettes, but kind of in the vein of, like the older Tonight Show and like old variety shows, they used to just put a ton of production value into their sets for just one song. Like a band would come on for one song and they'd have like a Broadway stage behind them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I like try to do things like that on a, on a, on a doll scale or like, but one of the things there I would I moved to the the warehouse where it was processing films and I came across this one title that was like it was a burlesque routines that were being done out in Los Angeles primarily and I was a big fan of the artist Joe Coleman
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, there were one of the clips there was a a feature that uh, had uh, one of the performers was rolling around in glass and Joe Coleman came and stood on her with a parasol. And so that caught my attention and I wound up, I was on MySpace, that was the jam back then, I'm dating myself, I was on MySpace. And uh, I I saw that performer uh, and contacted her and we started up uh, an online relationship and she was out here and did uh, fire eating and, and burlesque and variety arts. And so I moved out, and I'd got, also gotten a job at the Bob Baker Marionette Theater, theater uh, by a friend of hers who had seen some of my puppet stuff. So that I, my first job out here was at Bob Baker's. when Bob was still alive, and uh, it, was a, it was kind of a, a shaky time for the theater—they've—they've they've since passed the baton on, and were able to, like, really diversify and and, and get, you know get beautifully get the theater out of debt and move it to its now in like a prime location in uh, High, uh, Highland Park, or York, over there. Um, so if you ever get a chance to see the Bob Baker Marionette Theater, it's it's just incredibly magical to see that kind of puppetry live and up close it takes you back to being a kid and all the sets and, and puppets were made in the 60s so it's in a, in a weird when bob was alive so it's like a time capsule you have to get people in there who have a love for it and are going to pour themselves into it and learn the choreography but it's all you know it's all lovingly preserved yeah uh, so it was cool i i, I would talk to bob about you know i got some cool stories from him because like anything from the 50s pretty much you know through the 70s that in a movie that you saw that had puppetry in it was probably bob like he was he was the little german girl <laughs> puppet that was dancing with Elvis this in gi blues which was fantastic you know um It's like I know a lot of girls that have seen that and are very jealous of the puppet because he's having, (laughs) you know, that was Bob. And he, uh, if you've ever seen uh, Escape to Witch Mountain, there's an incredible scene in that where the children um, levitate these uh, uh, puppets and make them dance to entertain them. And so it looks like they've added in another set of strings and control above that, but it looks like they're levitating and, you know, sentient. Um, awesome. But um, yeah, oh, sorry, good.
0: I don't know. It seems like there's like all these really wonderful layers to what makes you a creative person. And it's it's amazing. And I feel like I can like nitpick each layer, but I do want to know, like, what was your first performance as a
1: puppeteer? Well, I I, I had, uh, you know, I <laughs> this doesn't count, but I had a show and tell thing in second grade where we everyone got to bring in an object, and I brought in this uh, like hand puppet that looked very Muppety. It had this matted blue fur on it, and you know it was pretty good for a store bought puppet back then. And uh, I, I it went over really well. Like the kids went crazy, and like one kid came up and the puppet lightly bit their arm, and the kid was freaking out. It created this frenzy in the class that you regularly wouldn't be allowed. So it was this nice, it kind of put off a bell in my head that, you know, this is pretty great. Like you can create this kind of energy and it's not only permitted, but enjoyed. But later on, I guess I'd say the one that really made me want to go further with puppetry was one of those uh, cabaret fests in Chicago. My friend Shoshana put on a show called the Winter Root Puppetry Festival Uh, It was just like, I I did a couple of the shows, like I was writing things. So one of them was a marionette show that I had written and collaborated on with a couple of the other performers and I was operating the marionette and they built these beautiful sets for it. It was this very tongue in cheek marionette version of Faust and uh, we did a thing where there was a QA and a at the end and we told the audience there would be a QA and a so they were expecting this like land uh, you know, puppets come, puppeteers coming out bragging about themselves <laughs> sort of a thing and it was like we had at the end we, we opened the curtains and there were three chairs there and the marionettes came out with their like robes and their cigarettes and we had shills in the audience with hand puppets that were asking like archetypes of the worst types of uh, Q&A questions that you'll hear in a really bad (laughs) Q&A that was all rehearsed. And, uh, and then my friend, in the same show, my friend Chad and I did a show that was what's called Toy Theater, where it's just, you're, you're essentially, I mean, it can get very complex in terms of the mechanisms that you build for these and the puppets, but it can be as simple as just taking a bunch of toys <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. objects that you've assembled and juxtaposing them and like creating scenarios where you're, you're pretty much, like I was saying when I was a kid, like you're doing that, but with another person in front of an audience of people, and it was very clowny too and it went over very well so just that whole experience of having those things those two things go over so well it was such a, a spark of joy that it was like you know like the joseph campbell bliss thing like this is when i feel most like myself and this is probably what i should be doing moving in that direction
0: i um i mean like you seem like such a natural like it seems like performance was always there for you, even at a young age. But Like, have you ever experienced being nervous before going on stage? Because I mean, you always seem like cool yeah. and collected.
1: Yeah, no, no, early on, yeah, you're always, I mean, I think you're always very nervous, but the more you do it, you just know that that's, like, you kind of have to tell yourself, you know, you're, you're, you're afraid of your emotions in the future. In a weird way your, your your fear and and your imagination are projecting this scenario a very specific scenario where you're in a position that you hypothetically may be and everything's gone to hell and you're helpless but the mo- i think the more you do it like i just i just have a desire to do that so there are a lot of times where that does happen early on and those are those times are really important like you got to have like It's horrible when it happens, but you don't remember it before long. And then it it, it conditions you to be able to handle things all the time. And then the more you do it at this point, yeah, I'm afraid of things, but then I'm like, I I can just like a part of me just close it off. And it's like, you'll be fine. You know, if we get in the moment, you have all the control then you have all your faculties and you've done it enough that you're pretty confident that not too much can go wrong. And if it does, you can turn it with puppetry puppetry, you can mess things up and it's almost like people enjoy it more like when things go wrong it's there's something endearing about it and there's like an allowance that doesn't exist in most other art forms where it's like if you play it off right it can be enchanting you know where it's like an admission of limitations and and you just work through it
0: no, I mean, uh, if you don't mind me asking, but like, have there been any of your performances that you feel comfortable sharing that
1: were just things went wrong during the performance? I mean, I, I work with marionettes, so very free, like it's, it, you know, gravity is your, your other collaborator and things can get tangled very easily. So I have shows fairly often where a, you know, you can't help it a thing, no matter how much you've rehearsed it and how much it consistently looks confident, like, Something will go wrong, and you'll lose control of one arm, or the legs will be, the hands are, you know, constricted, or yeah. very often though. I'm, since I know what the possibility is and how good a thing can be in my mind, when I go out and I mess up, I'm like, afterwards, I'm, I'm frequently like, apolog- someone will come up and say they liked it, and I'll be like, apologetic. I'm like, oh, did you notice that happened? And they, they very seldom noticed the thing that I thought was ruining the performance. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, I used to do like uh, concept stand-up stuff and things like that, and you know, that's it's just really important to fail. Like failing is is way more important than like doing it right when you know you can, you know, because yeah. it's just. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh,
0: I I do have to say, now I do want to piggyback off of what you said, where it's like sometimes those mistakes during a performance are just so much bigger in your head than what people listen because it's like I. I try not to listen to like previous episodes because I mean I edit it so it's like I don't want to hear my voice again um, but when I'm editing it's like I hear I'm like oh there's this sound or you know like I, I can't get <laughs> this little audio part out or there's a glitch yeah. but then when I ask people or when they message me it's like oh I like it I'm like oh you know like I, I'm like I'm so sorry for the audio quality and they're like no it was so good and I was like no. oh like I shouldn't have said
1: anything. <laughs> They're just, they're just being nice. It's, it's awful. <laughs> no, no, yeah. You're your own worst critic. I, I, yeah. yeah. It's the same thing where you're just like, oh, they ruined everything. And you're so hung up on this one little critical thing and no one even, no one noticed.
0: No, exactly. It doesn't
1: change it that much. It gives it, it gives it character. It's like a pop on a record or something.
0: True. What we were talking about before we started recording, uh, because you have all these like really amazing layers as far as like creative outlets. You know, you write, you create puppets, you also perform as you know like fire,
1: fire breathing, and all that. I don't, I don't do that anymore. That's not the best thing for your health. Like, uh, there was a period where I did that, and that was fine. But it's like it's white gas. It's like um, Coleman fuel. So it's like the same as. You know, there's something about it. you're like smoking 200 cigarettes every time you yeah, do it or something. So it, it was it was fun and it's very magical to look at and all that, but it's not the best thing for your. You don't have a long life expectancy if you're doing that too much. So
0: holy shit! Okay.
1: Don't try this at home, kids.
0: <laughs> That's the first thing I'm gonna do after this call. Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, we were talking about like our creative process, and we both kind of agreed. Like, you know, you jokingly said it's like the nighttime is the right time. Yes. And um,
1: nighttime is the right
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't agree more, where it's like there's just something very calming and magical about working when everyone else is asleep or when the world is yeah. asleep. You know, if you can
1: share a little no, more When you that. when you have that. Well, that's when you have the vastest space of you know time where you don't you're probably not going to have any commitments within them and so your your brain i think feels freer to move around and explore and and when when you're really working on something like you you do get you lose time, you just, that's one of the nicest things about it. You just get sucked into and absorbed into doing this thing that consumes you. And then you come out with this feeling of it's like euphoria. And maybe it's like way later than when you were last paying attention to that. But there's something about it.
0: You definitely get like sucked in. I know for me personally, like some of my happiest moments while creating either like drawing or writing has been like, starting at midnight till god knows what hour and it's because yeah. like i said it's like you just kind of lose track of time like there's no expectations at that point there's no expectation right. to be anywhere there's no expectations to like reply to anyone it's just yeah that silence and yourself and it's mm-hmm. kind of That's, eerie but kind of soothing
1: it's like the groovy ghoulies say things are different at midnight
0: <laughs> And. Uh, <laughs> I I do want to mention, it's like, I mean, I don't want to say any of your current projects, no, I want to wait until you post them, but you also work with creating puppets and musicians. And, you know, you have uh, Nick Cave and Xander Schloss under your belt as far as like creating those puppets.
1: I have have Xander Schlosses. I have five (laughs) Schlosses. And and a JG Challenger. No, I don't. Uh, It's a yeah i have i so during the what i call the playfully called the plague break i had some time and money that i didn't have before i i when i made marionettes i kind of did the traditional uh wood armature and maché like you sculpt uh, a head out of clay and you put maché over that and build some mechanisms into it and a control and so that's i mean that's how you know the the Some people I know are like incredibly, you know, way more puppet mastery than I could ever be. That still work with those things, so you could just work with that limitlessly. Um, The things I'm making now are more similar aesthetically to like the Bob puppets or, you know, there's just something about them where I I was able to kind of go and explore more mold, mold craft techniques where you're, you're still sculpting things out of clay, but then you're making a silicone mold, like you're building a, a box around it you're filling that with silicone and then when that sets you cut it open you take the clay head out or hand or foot whatever you're making and then you can take these uh, urethane plastics that are compounds and you pour them in and you can either rotoscope them which is moving them around so that the hot the center is hollow but the outside is this hard shell that's very durable but still light and so uh, at that point you do the same process that I learned with um, the mache ones but then I had I learned some new techniques where I'm putting in uh, these metal on metal like basically a, a rod that's riding inside of a copper tube like the lunar rod so it's more silent and um and so it got I, I I was able to turn a couple corners and it got more 4.0 um puppetry but uh yeah. the neck was you know, during, I know a lot of people who did this during the, the the plague break, where they kind of went back in their mind and regressed to who was that, like, that Godhead figure from when you were, like, around a teenager that kind of, you know, was like, wow, that's, you know. So, like, for a lot of people, I love Bowie, and for a lot of people, Ziggy Stardust was obviously that, but the, the birthday party, Nick Cave, was like, very resonant and so I wanted to make a likeness of him and I did that but it like I was you know when you're you're working on these things you start researching and you get ideas from the research like looking at documentaries looking at pictures of them and you start to kind of merge with the character in certain ways and feel like you know them and uh, there was this one Documentary about Roland S. Howard, his guitar player. I'm also going to make a Roland to go along with the Nick, But um, he, they were talking about the director vendors was talking about how when they came from London to Berlin, uh, it was it was in the fall when all of these ravens migrate into Berlin. So he said it felt like the ravens had brought them, and it was in Berlin that they were really finally appreciated and uh, became their own, um, entity. So when I heard that, I'm, I, you know, his hair was like, that was, that was the ultimate Nick cave hair. I feel like where it was the ultimate plumage. And so I, I went on and bought these hackle pads. They're called, um, of raven feathers. So his hair is made out of these spiky raven feathers. Um, so that's like kind of my homage to that, that him and that band and, and that, their effect on me as a teenager. So based on that, I was able to... I met Xander Schloss. I took a guitar lesson with him. Being a film nerd, I was a huge fan of... uh, You know, Repo Man's one of my favorite movies, and then he's in... Straight to Hell is such a great movie, and he's in both of those. Um, He kind of plays like a whipping boy (laughs) character in all of them, but he pulls it off with like this pretty great Buster Keaton aplomb, and there's like this scene where all these... And Straight to Hell, where all these uh, banditos are going to kill him if he doesn't play a song that's sufficiently to their liking. And he's a hot dog bender, so it's like, uh, uh, what's his name from The Poke? Shane McGowan and um, uh, Joe Strummer and all these different people aiming guns at him, and he sings this song that he and Joe Strummer wrote together uh, about his taco stand called uh, Carl's... uh, Tina Disco, wait, what is it? Disco Wiener Haven, something like that. But he wins them over, and it's a short reprieve because they're everyone's dancing around, but at the end of it, they're shoving his head into a fountain. So he's like, he's, he just doesn't get killed. He gets to go on to have the horrible life that he's had. But he, uh, I guess uh, Xander met Joe Strummer through that, and then they started collaborating on soundtracks for like Sid and Nancy, and they did the soundtrack for Walker. And uh, so he's just a very uh, kind, interesting guy who, he's like such a charismatic, lovable person and he works his ass off. uh, Like for the, when he he joined the Circle Jerks, he went and auditioned for them. And he just, he memorized every song they had ever done. So he blew every other person out of the water because he had this classical and jazz uh, musical background. And he was, you know, so he just kind of always stays ahead a bit and so I I was very, uh, he saw the Nick puppet and it reminded him of being a kid and seeing a puppet from a neighbor that was watching him and his friends when they were kids and for a second everyone has that moment when they're a kid for a second where they're like they see a puppet and they didn't know about puppets and they're like is this a new kind of thing that exists Am I gonna be encountering these weird animal creature, you know, creatures all the time? That would be the best. So um, when he saw Nick, he said it reminded him that. And uh, he asked me to do a video and the concept, which he had collaborated on with Alex Cox was, I don't think I would have done it if I didn't identify because it's just so much work (laughs) and time and and all of that. Uh, But, the, the, the concept they came up with is exactly what I probably <laughs> would have pitched I know that sounds like r- uh, ridiculous but it's like it's so in line with with you know what I was into conceptually with it which is to have five versions of Xander throughout his life so mm-hmm. I made a head that's removable that and I made five bodies. And so you could just pull like, a, there's a nylon cord that's knotted through the back that you can pull out and put on each individual body. And then I just Mr. Potato headed out the features, the facial hair features and the hair features and glasses for each of them. And so you have five Xanders, it's him and Repo Man. There's a Straight to Hell, Carl the Wiener Man one. There's him, Rockabilly Face Xander, where he was Joe Strummer's lead guitarist on tour for a while after The Clash. There's Punk Rock Xander, which was he had um, he's playing been playing bass with the Circle Jerks for like thirty years, and then he was playing with the Weirdos. He had a uh, about with heroin, which ended I think about fifteen years ago, and then modern day Xander. So it's kind of like this hero's journey, uh, and the song is all about him reflecting on his life and just how even though there have been so many setbacks and failures. He's loved the story of his life, and the song's called I've Loved the Story of My Life.
0: And it's a beautiful music video, at I and mean, it's a beautiful song. Uh, so, I mean, I will also be adding a link to that uh, video in the, awesome. in the bio of this, because I think it's just absolutely fantastic. And just, again, just so visually beautiful with all these puppets, and it's like, yeah. It, like, having those puppets, like, much like how you said with what Xander said, where it does take you back to being a kid and it kind of does take you back to this magical place where it's like, if you didn't have that, you know, puppet or toy or tool, you know, like, you probably wouldn't have revisited those, like, little innocent moments in life.
1: Yeah, there, there were two other, the other people who worked on it with the Legison brothers, uh, they're, they're credited on there as well, but they did the, uh, they shot all of it and uh, it was this terrific bonding experience that went on way longer than it it should have. It just took, it always takes longer than people think it will. Uh, But they did all that, the wonderful animation that's composited in there. And uh, it was, it was a really interesting, uh, it was like making a record together or something where they all play guitar. So when I'm like setting things, I have this, these wonderful varieties of guitar playing and with each puppet, Xander It was wild, it was like he interacted with each puppet when it was done, like he was seeing himself back then. And Carl, Carl just gets so abused and straight to hell and I brought Carl out and Xander's like, oh, Carl, look at you, you're a mess. You know, just, it's like, it was kind of, it was wild watching it bring him back and the things that he would talk about as a result of that. So it was, it was a very cool experience. And I'm I'm very relieved that it all uh, came together, Uh, you know. There were so many elements that were out of my hands in terms of the compositing and animation and all that, but it was just nice that it came together cohesively.
0: That's amazing. It sounds like a pretty, like, just amazing moment, and thank you for sharing it. And I do want to get into just a question that I ask across the board is if you had to put together a class, what movie, book and album would be in your class syllabus?
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, so this is this is hard uh, to do just one. So in a couple, I can't. I'm going to say like two, two, maybe three. (laughs) That's fine. But one, one thing it's, that's not uh, any of those things is um, uh, there's a website right now, the Stan Winston uh, School that you can get online. Uh, there's also a seven day trial. So if you wanted to just like, you have seven days straight where you're not doing anything and you just wanna watch, you know, binge <laughs> these, uh, these tutorials, they're all like people who are at the top of their profession who are giving you their trade secrets who are very articulate and it's just like, I wish they existed, you know, 20 years ago. (laughs) I would have like, it's just, if you can, if you, even things that I'm just marginally interested in, I'll watch it and I'll learn, I don't know, you just kind of see how attitudes on things are all, it's all kind of the same thing in a weird way and so it, like any aspect like if you want to if you decide you want to make marionettes or you just hand and rod puppets with mechani- uh sorry uh mechani- eye mechanisms in them there are tutorials on eyeball making or there's a woman who does feathers and you know for hair or for accents or anything um yeah uh, and so i recommend those there's there's one on there uh, if you like muppety puppets there's a guy bj Geyer who did like all the crank yanker stuff and he's just like an incredible teacher. Uh, there's one by Scott Land, marionette artist, and I, if you are decide if you do decide you're interested in marionettes, like that's a really good primer. And he's doing like that mold craft stuff I was talking about, but yeah. he also in the beginning shows you a more primitive wood and mache puppet, like I was talking about before. So, and he'll also, as you're watching it, tell you the tools and equipment that you're going to need if you're going to be cranking these things out all the time. Um, so in terms of books, uh, there's two I put down. I guess that kind of counts as a book in a way. So as a, an encyclopedia, uh, but there's one book, uh, the Puppets and Puppetry by Peter Frazier. And uh, that's uh, you can find that on on Amazon for not much. And it, it gives you a, a variety of puppets. I think he does shadow puppets, he does some hand and rod stuff. So it's just a good uh, primer of, of, of a d- bunch of different types of puppetry. And then there's a book called, if you decide that marionettes are your jam and that's what you want to do, marionette source book by Lumen uh, Code, C-O-A-D, Coad, Lumen Coad. And it's uh, like more advanced uh, diagrams of controls and the different types of marionettes that you can build. Uh, in terms of um, movies, there's there's uh, I just looked on YouTube and it's it's on there right now. I might get taken down, but there's this series that was one of the last things that Jim Henson did. It's called um, Jim Henson's World of Puppetry and it's him just going around the world interviewing uh, a bunch of different, Puppet artists who have different specialities. Like one guy does black arts, where there's like, you know, it's there's black velvet behind the performer, and the performers are wearing black velvet. And if you have, if you're within a certain throw of the light, the, pup, the performer disappears completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one guy, um, Albrecht Roser, Roser, who's an amazing uh, marionette artist, German marionette artist. Um, and last time I checked, the Roser one it was there. Um, so yeah that's pretty great uh any of those i think if you if you're in uh la county and you have an la county library there's canopy the streaming service it's spelled with a k -K k-n-o-p-y but you can you can stream that for free if you have an la county library card number and there's just tons of great stuff on that that site so i'll just make that i'll make that my that'll be the one thing where that's that's my my movie choice Um, and then i have to pick an album
0: Yeah, as difficult as it is, an album or an artist entirely.
1: Oh, you. I don't know. I I love so many. Per- you know, it's like you were saying, with the things that that you choose to play. Like a lot of things give me chicken flesh, and I'll just listen to them obsessively. And some of them, as I'm listening to them, give me a a video in my head of a music video that I could make with puppets. Um, so it's kind of like an homage to that song. Uh, I don't know. I like, uh, I, you know, I, I haven't done anything with them puppet-wise, but I love the Stooges. Like, Funhouse is one of my favorite albums. And then Dr. John's Grigri is really great. Um, so much Tom Waits stuff is good. I could just go on and on. But, you know, I'd say listen to... Listen to, to to Nancy's musical choices, and a lot of those are aligned with mine. And then the ones that I submitted to you, a lot of them are songs that I have done videos to or will, or that I just enjoy a lot, so.
0: That's amazing.
3: When the sun goes down, I sit here in my room And the lamplight streaming over me projects my lonely gloom My counterpart in agony mocks each tear that falls And I cast a lonesome shadow on these lonely, lonely walls By my side at night, no matter where I go He lurks out in the darkness or in the neon glow. He follows me across the steps and up and down the halls And I cast a lonesome shadow on these lonely, lonely walls The candle and the flicker of the flame My writhing shadow twists and turns as though it is in pain I'm trying to escape the memory my heart recalls And I cast a lonesome shadow on these lonely, lonely walls. I lost and all the things I planned are as empty as this bottle that I hold in my hand. My soul is buried in the depths of love and life's pitfalls and I cast a lonesome shadow on these lonely, lonely walls.
4: and Annie Stroth, Stroth and Annie Stroth. hey, Annie Strofe, Annie Strofe, oh, come on baby kiss me tonight, it's a wild world, a wild world, up here in your arms tonight, it's a wild world. you
0: Um, I mean, I don't have any other questions for you other than what advice do you have for budding artists?
1: Um, Well, for marionette, for puppeteers, I, I would say... Puppeteering can be, it can be like an obsession, (laughs) like it is with me, or it can be a really amazing hobby and and therapy. Uh, I'd say that there's a really good tutorial online about making a scarf puppet. They're very simple puppets to make. You get a lot of awesome movement out of them. And the puppet provides like a weird buffer for you where you are able to pull out and express things inside of you effortlessly that you didn't know were there before. So I've worked with people who don't have a tendency to wanna perform or not necessarily expressive, but when they work with a puppet, things come out of them and, and you're able to, you know, learn a lot about yourself or convey archetypes and things like that. So I'd say just for anyone interested in Uh, You know, you don't have to do it full bore and you'll still get a lot out of it. Uh, But in terms of people who do decide that they want to do it full bore, I would say like get as many side skills as you can. Like so many jobs I've done and gotten uh, were because I could write. Like I I worked for many years at the Natural History Museum of LA County and the Page Museum, the La Brea Tar Pit Museum. If you go there now, there's a show that I wrote storyboarded and um it's it's like a multimedia thing where we come you had to collaborate with uh, paleontologists and uh, i think it's the only (laughs) of all the shows that i did that's that's the only one that they have that's still consistently running and it features an animatronic saber cat puppet suit that was built by the jim henson creature shop Uh, so i'd say check that out um but yeah i mean any type of side skill that you can get like it will vastly uh, improve your chances of getting hired for things. Uh, people don't want to have to hire multiple people to do a lot of things I think you get one person who can wear three hats at the same time, you're going to get hired more. I'd say also like get in as many performance situations that seem safe to you. <laughs> uh, if you're in a point where someone's expecting you to do something that's harmful to your body, like listen to that, you don't have to do it. But um, I'd say just like working with as many folks as you can so that eventually the computer in your brain is telling you how to deal with any almost any type of situation or personality that you're going to come up against yeah that's that's my 10 cents on there on that
0: (laughs) no that's fantastic advice Uh, i do want to bring up what you had mentioned earlier as far as like being okay with failing and just like the issues are always bigger in our head than what they really are of course don't fail while you're like fire
1: breathing I, i i should amend that i'm never okay with failing I'm just kidding. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) when it's happening, I'm never okay with it. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's super important. Uh, yeah, it's 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 remember it's it, it hurts like hell when it's happening, but it's it's callusing you in a good way and it's 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 better it's really in a weird way better than things going as perfectly as, as they can. No, it's, it's helping you more.
0: I do wanna say, um, I mean I don't wanna take up too much more of your time, but that the door for the shack is always open for you. So if you ever wanna come back and talk about future projects, what you do you did uh, for not fortunately, but like, I am grateful that you shared a little bit like of a sneak peek of future projects. So if you ever want to come back and oh. talk about these and just what
1: you're working on and what you have for are yeah. like, Most definitely. Out. I'll talk with the puppets about it. And if they're, they're into <laughs> it, we'll come back. But thank you. <laughs> I totally agree. Uh,
0: and yeah, and then obviously picking another eight songs. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for giving me a bit of your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, It's my pleasure.
0: All right. So until next week, guys.
3: When the mists are rising and the rain is falling and the wind is blowing cold across the moor
5: I hear the voice of my darling, the girl I love and lost a year ago Singing in the sign of the wind blowing in the treetops, way above me.